Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we're getting you ready for Eagles Jets as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 377. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my buddy Ben Fennell, where we catch up and share our thoughts on the Eagles' upcoming matchup against the New York Jets this Sunday for their second straight game up at MetLife Stadium. After Chalk Talk, we will transition to Scouting Report, where we focus in on one of the impact players for this Jets offense in rookie wide receiver. Receiver Elijah Moore. This is a guy that was a second round pick for them this spring, and he has really come on in these last few weeks. We will get in exactly into why in that segment. Then to close out the show in faux focus, I chat with somebody who knows this Jets team inside and out, and that is Eric Allen with NewYorkJets.com. I wanted to catch up with Eric to get his thoughts on this game, and he knows this Jets team extremely well, so he's going to provide some outstanding analysis. We'll get into that towards the back end of the show. Before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, as always, make sure you head on over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you've got a question about this team, go leave it there in the comment box. It's the best way to throw us your support, and it's the best way for me to be able to reach you guys back. So if you've got a question about this team, that's the best way. Go leave it on our Apple podcast page. Happy to answer any question you throw our way. Also, while you're over there on Apple Podcasts, make sure you go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker, Eric Galco, a steady rotation of guests. I've got Eric Crocker coming on from the Locked On NFL Draft podcast this week to talk about some of the top defensive backs in this class. So you want to make sure you are subscribed to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found. That said, let's get into the rest of this show. It's time now for some Chalk Talk with Ben Fennell. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, let's get things rolling here with Chalk Talk as I welcome in Ben Fennell to talk through uh, this Eagles-Jets matchup. And in doing so, we're going to first take a look back at last week's game against the Eagles and the Giants. And Ben, when you and I got together on Monday morning uh, to go through this film, obviously it wasn't all beautiful, right? It's been on the offensive side of the ball, four turnovers. We've been through uh, all of that. But there were a couple guys that really stood out most to us uh, as we were watching. And uh, it started early on, but what Jordan Mailata did at left tackle, uh, particularly in the run game, I thought was was just so much fun to watch. You and I were both just kind of laughing watching this guy work, uh, whether it was in a phone booth or out on the move. Uh, it's just been so fun to watch this guy continue to develop into the force that he's become on the football field. Yeah, it's amazing. He's only been playing football for two years, and it's all been in the NFL. And I felt like on Sunday, in combination with the last month, his play has really been uh, exciting and has really been dominant. And I think we're getting a little numb to his presence at left tackle because he's doing this on a week-in, week-out basis. And this past week, had a couple highlight plays that really kind of capped off his really strong season and really strong career and really strong development. He is a massive player. He's athletic. He's powerful. He's a great human being. I mean, those four pillars are everything you want out of a guy and a left tackle in your locker room. He is an infectious personality. And not just a big tackle. He is a massive tackle. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the Jets don't have Makai Becton out there at left tackle dealing with some injuries. But these tackles are big across the NFL. Jordan Malata is bigger. 
And it's just crazy to see that kind of a combination of size, strength, athleticism, and then doing it with a smile on his face. I mean, he's just a great infectious personality. Be sure to check out our mic'd up segment this past week. Uh, I think we had Jordan Malata mic'd up in the Giants game. Despite the loss, Fran, really fun wiring. He's a guy you definitely want to uh, hear him play as much as you want to watch him. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the thing is that with how big he is, you, I think it's easy to forget like how athletic he is. There, there just aren't guys that are built that way that move the way he does. And that's what I think it makes him so unique. I mean, the Eagles have had big offensive linemen. Matt Pryor is a huge offensive lineman. Uh, King Dunlap is a huge offensive mm-hmm. lineman. Jason Peters, a huge offensive lineman. Jordan Mailata is bigger and just such a freak athlete to go along with it. It's like you said, you kind of become numb to it watching it on a weekly basis, but uh, just so fun. Well, well, as far as like body types and the scales of justice, typically as you get bigger, it comes at the expense of movement and, you know, athleticism and being quick footed, just human nature. And then the smaller guys that are a little more fleet of foot typically have struggle with strength and power. It's tough to kind of check the boxes in both areas. And Jordan Malata has a very special, unique background. And I think that's why we're seeing a really special, unique play, you know, on a week to week basis here in the NFL. So another player that really stood out to us on film, and I talked about a little bit with Greg earlier this week as well, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it because uh, this is a player that you and I both studied in this past draft. We were both high on Milton Williams coming out of Louisiana Tech. And when you look at his development and what he's done so far this season, uh, it hasn't always been pretty with him either, right? There are going to be some plays where, uh, you know, you, you, tell, you could tell he's still kind of figuring things out from his pass rush plan and with his use of hands and uh, coming off the ball and attacking offensive linemen. But in in this game, I feel like we and we've seen really good flashes. There have been some games that Detroit Lions game. He was outstanding. There were other games this year where it was like, man, like great play by Milton, great play by Milton. But in this game, I felt like he was his most disruptive. This was his most consistent one. And even if the production wasn't always there, if he wasn't the one finishing and making the tackle, there were a handful of examples of him being the guy that created for somebody else because of his disruptive ability. And I think his hybrid skill set coming out of La Tech really left him kind of in no man's land throughout the summer and most of the season. We'd see him at end in practice and then defensive tackle in practice. And sometimes that versatility can help you. I think he's through and through a phone booth player. And over the last month or so, he's been used as a phone booth player, more as a defensive tackle inside, really as like a Fletcher Cox backup there at defensive tackle and three tech and some really creative alignments to kind of keep him out of some of these dangerous situations, which I want him playing in a phone booth, but he's been struggling against double teams. So what are they doing with some alignments, putting a defensive tackle right next to him as well, preventing double teams. And he is capitalizing off of single blocks. He is getting knockbacks at the point of attack. He's shooting gaps with his quickness. He's big. He's thick. He's explosive. He has a good first step, and he really disrupts a lot of blocking schemes on the inside. I think to have a Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave as your 1-1A, one and, one and then Milton Williams coming with that next group, getting really, really impactful play. And it's great to see this midseason stretch about a lot of rookies and young players. The game's slowing down. And that was one of my big takeaways, a lot of these young Jets players that we're going to dive into. Young team, this point of the season, week 12, 13, the game's slowing down for everybody. And it's great to see the young players starting to emerge and produce on the field. And it's interesting because Jonathan Gannon spoke at his press conference earlier this week about how with the rookies, especially you, yeah, you want to be able to see the game slow down for them, but you also have to keep in mind from a physical standpoint, like 
this is where you start. We just had the last week of college football, the regular season, right? Yeah, so guys start to hit rookie walls coming too. No, no doubt. So uh, guys have to kind of weigh that from a all right, like my my body's getting tight. It's a, it's a, it feels like the season should be ending for me, but instead we're now just getting ready for the stretch run. And so uh, really easy to kind of lose sight of that. But I think that watching that with these rookies will be interesting, very much so down the stretch. Because I think a lot of people say like after the bye week for a lot of rookies, most seasons that's where all oh, you can really see them uh, kind of move forward. But with the Eagles. With the bye week being so late, a week 14 bye, well, now, you I mean, look, they've got, uh, they don't have a lot of time for uh, those guys to be able to hit the ground running. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys continue to look down the stretch. And it's a really interesting kind of mental management, too, because you have to be honest with yourself and honest with your body. There's going to be some players that have never played 14 games in a season, not in high school, not in college. Their body is feeling different things. It's being beaten down and worn in different areas, you really have to assess and be honest. Am I hurt? Am I sore? Am I injured? Am I playing through something I shouldn't be? Is this concerning? You know, there's a lot of kind of mental side of it too, and it's a lot of new feelings. So I think being honest and transparent on a week to week and day-to-day basis with the training staff is really important for the young guys. That's a, a really good point. Um, well, let's get into the, some of the things we've covered here on Eagles game plan this week. And uh, we'll start with the Eagles defense. We'll stay on that side of the football going up against this Jets offense. That we have. That's how we started off the show. And I guess we will start on the offensive side of the ball. We're talking about uh, rookies. And obviously the big rookie for the Jets is that rookie quarterback, the number two overall pick in this last draft, Zach Wilson, coming out of BYU. Uh, you and I went back. We watched every single dropback of Zach Wilson last week going into this game against the Houston Texans. He had missed a bunch of weeks uh, due, due to being on injury reserve. So it was like, what was it, like 240, 260 uh, dropbacks for him coming into that game. Uh, and we saw a lot of the same thing. So interested to kind of get your thoughts on what you saw from Zach Wilson. And obviously we cover a little bit of the good here uh, and talk about some of the bad in the in the, uh, in the the show this week when he was game plan. Well, it was great, first and foremost, to see him back out on the field uh, this past week against the Texans, had missed a couple games as they gone through the Mike White and Joe Flacco era out there at the Jets, just kind of hold over until he was healthy. But it was great to see him out there. And I just love the management that they came back out with. They ran the ball 34 times this past week against the Texans. They were running it not as much as I would have liked early in the season. I think this is a better balance for Zach Wilson. Still a little wide-eyed at times has his rookie moments of really not knowing where to go with the football or some protection breakdowns from time to time, but he flashes some really exciting play almost on a drive to drive basis, whether it's something out of structure, whether it's a second reaction throw, whether it's just impressive ball placement or ball velocity has a really interesting skill set as far as being athletic, quick footed, strong arm, loose arm, creative mind, playmaker, just needs the game to slow down just a little bit. And at the quarterback spot, um, you know, coming from BYU, he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve to take that jump to the NFL speed. But it, first and foremost, Fran, it was just great to see him back out there. You can't get better, you know, out in the tub. You know, can't make a club in the tub. So it was great to see him healthy again on the field and getting those rookie cobwebs, um, you know, out of the way and got another victory. And I know they're only three and eight on the season. Well, two of those wins were against the high-powered Bengals and Joe Burrow. 
And the other, obviously that was Mike White. And the other win was against the Tennessee Titans. And that was a full deck Tennessee Titans with Julio, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. So they're more than capable of upsetting a team that maybe is a little bit better on paper than that. Yeah, it's a, a really good point. And, and that's why I think for the Eagles, that's why one of the folks, all right, if we're going to, we're going to hone in on Zach Wilson for that segment with Greg Cosell, uh, let's talk about what are the way, what are the things the Eagles can do to kind of lean into his inexperience and what's something we talk about all the time. And it's something that the, the the Eagles have faced with opposing defenses is they're going to always try and change the picture for the young quarterback. Hey, the, there's the threat of blitz. Sometimes they're going to come. Sometimes they're not. It might look like too high. Then it's one high or vice versa. I think when you look at what the Eagles have done in recent weeks, and you and I have talked about that uh, kind of the, the evolution of the identity of this defense, especially on third down, we've seen more pressure and the Eagles have been bringing that uh, on third down. We've seen more man coverage. We've seen more single high, uh, more aggressive uh, secondary play, challenging receivers and in this game against the Giants yeah they, they still kept those blitzes up they got burned a couple times on them on the three conversions they give up uh, on third down but I think the thing I liked most from that game against the Giants and against Daniel Jones was their use of sim pressures or simulated pressures where uh, you're going to show pressure pre-snap you have a bunch of guys up on the line of scrimmage guys standing up you don't know who's coming you don't know who's going and then all of a sudden a bunch of those guys drop out it's only a three-man rush but you force, you dictated protection to the offensive line, and now you've got one-on-ones with Hargrave, a one-on-one with Cox, a one-on-one with uh, Josh Sweat, right? So you're creating some of those one-on-ones, but not just playing a soft. I, I know you love those aggressive three-man rushes. Absolutely. And once you put it on tape and you show, we will come after you, we will blitz you, which Jonathan Gannon's done over the last month, now the simulated pressure or sim pressures, which are very popular across college football, in Sundays in the NFL, because you're then giving the threat of pressure. What does the threat of pressure do? Forces offenses to account for that pressure through pass protection and forces quarterbacks to account for that uh, threat with their minds and having answers. In this past week, we loaded the line of scrimmage on third down. Daniel Jones said, wait a minute, they're coming with one extra. I better have an answer right away. All of a sudden we dropped everybody out. Josh Sweat even dropped out into a passing lane. Three-man rush. Javon Hargrave was one-on-one. He was obviously bull rushing his guy back. But Daniel Jones thought he had to get rid of the ball really fast. All of a sudden, there's tons of defenders where he wanted to throw the ball. The threat and the illusion of pressure, the simulated pressure, makes offenses then completely have to account for it. Quarterbacks are rushing their process. All of a sudden, the post-snap picture changed. And these are the situations that young quarterbacks typically get a little wide-eyed, like we've seen Daniel Jones last week, and Zach Wilson has certainly had his moments of not knowing where to go after the snap. So post-snap movement, changing the picture from pre-snap, having answers, and all of a sudden saying, wait a minute, I didn't need that answer. It's only a three-man rush. Now it's changing the rhythm of the offense. So I love aggressive three-man rushes. Not every three-man rush, Fran, has to be a passive, prevent, two-minute drill, sit-back type of approach. You can dial up aggressive three-man rushes and isolating one-on-ones and maybe still getting a game in there. And that was a great call by Jonathan Gannon on third down. Yeah, and it's it's like you said, it's – 
you know, it doesn't necessarily always need to be just the, the straight three man rush when you're aggressive with that. Sometimes, you know, it leads to the incompletions, the fast throws, or sometimes it leads to a sack, but even the plays where that ball is completed, if it's third and nine and the quarterback gets the ball out and now it's that, that ball's caught two yards after the line of scrimmage. All right, well you make the tackle and you get off the field. Right. So uh, that's, that, that's what I mean when I said that uh, just changing things up, it's honestly, it's very similar to the offensive side of the football, where you talk about the advantages of uh, pre-snap motion and you know, you're changing the picture for the defense well these late disguises in the secondary and up front are the same thing for opposing offenses you're always kind of changing that mental picture for the quarterback in his mind yeah absolutely what i say about pre-snap motion it makes defenses think well now you get into these advantageous situations third and medium third and long now it's our time to make the offense think about what we may potentially be doing anytime you can make your opponent to think that's mental processing. Typically, mental processing leads to slower physical action. So anytime you can get your opponent to overthink stuff, you typically have a half-step advantage. It's a chess game, too, and as much as it is a physical combat sport. So let's go over to the opposite side of the football and discuss this Eagles offense against the Jets defense. And uh, this is a feisty unit. Uh, they've got talent at all three levels, some guys that you and I both studied coming out of college that uh, have found roles with this team, and certainly there are some Top talents, guys like C.J. Mosley, first-round pick, previously with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Quinn and Williams at defensive tackle. Uh, there's There are guys that are making plays for this unit. Interesting to kind of get your thoughts on uh, how this unit is constructed and what they're going to bring to the table here on Sunday in this matchup. Yeah, they have a lot of interesting parts. You know, a couple former first-round picks, like you had mentioned, and C.J. Mosley and uh, the, the, Shaq, uh, the pass rusher Shaq Lawson, I think, was a former first-round pick of the Buffalo Bills out of Clemson a few years ago. Jared Davis, they have at linebacker, I think, was a former first-round pick. They have some interesting parts. And I think at this point in the season, what I've particularly noticed, like I would mentioned a few minutes ago, they're playing faster. The game's slowing down. They have a lot of speed and athleticism, particularly with these young guys like Hamza Nazarladeen and uh, Michael Carter at corner, Nichols playing some really good ball. Now that you're kind of hitting that mid-stretch of the season, the game's slowing down. The young guys are playing faster. The young guys are making bigger plays, and they're figuring out who can play and who can't play. That also helps, too. This is a Jets team that's had 36 different players play for them on defense this year. Remember, you only play 11 at a time. Something's gone wrong for them this year as far as injuries, ability, X, Y, and Z. 36 different players. They wow. need stability. They need to figure out who they have, who they don't have, who they can trust, who can't they trust. But at the end of the day, remember, veterans, Shaq Lawson, C.J. Mosley, Jared Davis, they got Sheldon Rankins in free agency. A lot of people forget about that coming over from the New Orleans Saints. So third and medium, third and long, Quinton Williams and Sheldon Rankins can destroy offensive lines from the inside out, which, you know, I love – quick pressure from the interior and the jets can do that so there's more than a couple guys on this defense that can really disrupt it's a fun group yeah i i actually i really like john franklin myers uh, on the other defensive yeah, ends he's, a, he's another one he's one of the more underrated players in the no nfl doubt. i'm willing to say he's a really yeah, good player really disruptive he had two sacks and a pick this week uh the pick was one six, he created six, four, 285 yep, yep. play inside outside yep really tough guy yeah, and the play we ended up picking a blitz uh, to, to use in the show this week. It's a, a sack from Quincy Williams, who's Quinn Williams' uh, brother, who's playing linebacker for them. Really fast, really explosive kid. But the way that they kind of overloaded the front, some of the things we talked about from a defensive standpoint with the Eagles, well, they dictated the protection, they created a matchup, and they were able to get uh, an open lane there for Quincy Williams. We'll, we break down that play uh, in the show, courtesy of Greg Cosell. So we're getting into hey, that. Really quick, Frank, John Franklin, John Franklin Myers, Stephen F. Austin alum. Correct. 
What Eagles alum is also a Stephen F. Austin alum? What Eagles alum is a Stephen F. Austin? What Eagles alum? legend? Eagles legend Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Good call. The yeah. Axeman. Thank you. Uh, I was either there or I was um, Jermaine Mayberry, but I believe he was Texas A&M Kingsville, if I remember right. With uh, which Stephen F. Austin, their their mascot is the Lumberjacks. Right. Uh, which is I don't know if that played man. into the X-Men, if that was all part of the, the formula <laughs> there, but uh, John Franklin Myers, also from Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, it's a, uh, he, was a, he was an interesting player, uh, for sure, coming out. Yeah. Um, now, just looking at this from an Eagles offensive standpoint, obviously, look, uh, this is a Jets defense that, very similar to the Eagles, they had a really rough stretch early in the season where, I mean, they were giving up numbers, whether it's pass game, run game, and even if you look at full season numbers right now, uh, the Jets are near the bottom in nearly all of those categories in terms of uh, yards allowed and efficiencies all, all across the board. Those numbers aren't great. And so, you know, if you're looking at it purely from a number standpoint, it would seem that everything is available for the Eagles in this game. And as of this point, we don't know. We're recording this early Wednesday afternoon. Um, obviously, you know, I'll, a lot in the air right now when it comes to uh, Jalen Hurts. Is he going to be able to play? Is he not? Uh, Nick Sirianni was, uh, you know, kind of unsure. And yeah, we're going to try really hard uh, for Jalen Hurts to play, but we just don't know at this point. So uh, to me, it'll be really interesting to see if the, how the Eagles trying to uh, approach the game plan here in this football game. Do they get back to, uh, you know, really leaning heavy into the run game? If Jalen does play, how much will he be involved in that? Will we see if it uh, be more of a traditional run game or? Well, they say, hey, we've got some some matchups we can try and win on the perimeter. I think that will be interesting to watch here in this matchup. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of interesting uh, kind of aspects of the offense, especially if Jalen Hurts is a no-go and uh, what Gardner Minshew can maybe provide for the offense. Really interested to see uh, all these sentiments you just kind of uh, echoed. Well, one thing we really liked, uh, you and I, from last week's game plan was um, that they did some really good things on third and short, third and medium, where they dressed up uh, their basic zone reads in different ways and ran different complements off of that, whether it was uh, slide routes to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside or different window dressings with motions and formation variation. We saw some tackle over and just all those different looks to dress up the same play or we're going to run something that looks like zone read, but it's actually something else. And they were able to be really effective in those third and shorts. And we've talked about over the last few weeks, this Eagles offense with this new uh, philosophy that they're embracing, they're going to need to be really good on third down, third and short. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned there, they've been the best third down offense over the last month. Yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of conversation going on with the airwaves and social media about, well, what happens when the league starts catching up to this run game? What happens when they start keying the run and overloading the run? And I think it's uh, kind of interesting that we've had this success over the past month and teams have been keying the run and loading up on the run. So uh, it's going to be really fun to watch, uh, you know, kind of how this offense ebbs and flows down the stretch. All right. So uh, I know you've pulled a lot of numbers. Uh, you pulled a lot of numbers for Eagles game plan this week. What is one that stood out to you most that you wanted to bring to the show? Well, this is all in the same conversation here, Fran. I want to let fans know that this run game is here to stay. And over the last month, so the last five games, yeah, we're leading the NFL in rushing yards, attempts, run rate, explosive runs, touchdowns. But what happens when league starts keying our run, Fran? Well, we also lead the run over last month in run plays against eight man boxes. So we're already running into loaded boxes, not to mention via next gen, the second lowest safety depth against us. Mm. So not only are teams overloading the box, the safeties are pretty shallow as well, keying the run. So how are we still having success? Because the run game is so versatile. 
because you can run it inside, outside, because you have the quarterback run game, because there's reads and options and unblocked defenders, all brings balance back to the force when you're unblocked and are outnumbered in the box. This run game can beat you in a variety of ways, and that's why you can't stop them in one singular way. They already are loading the box are. We already are outnumbered by one, two defenders sometimes in the box. The, the way they can attack you with multiple ways in the run game and then have wrinkles off all those concepts week after week, it is so fun to watch. So next week's another battle against the Jets. Let's see how many more they uh, load into the box and let's see how we're still going to run it uh, right down their throat. So it's going to be a, a, a fun, uh, fun mix there. Well, and that's why I'm interested, you know, just talking about what are the matchups that matter? What's the one individual matchup that I feel like will be pivotal for all the reasons you just said, uh, you know, if the Jets are going to load the box. And I do think that this is a team that could potentially try and load the box against this offense. I kind of wonder, you know, how much will we see of Devontae Smith against Bryce Hall? Bryce Hall, a young corner, only I believe it's his third year in the league. He's big. He's physical. He's got the ability to beat up receivers um, and they'll play a decent amount of man to man, press man to man, straight cover one. So uh, if that's the case, like I wonder how often we'll see Devontae Smith working against Hall. I think that could be a really important matchup in this game. Just two catches for Smith last week against the Giants. Will we see more of him in this one against the Jets? Yeah, and you have to remember, Zach Wilson, second overall pick, Elijah Moore, early second round pick. Well, between those two, they had another first round pick. Their left guard, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, Southern California. He's having a really good season at left guard. Has only allowed four quarterback hits in 11 games. I want to see some one-on-one matchups against him and Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. He went through a little bit of a trial by fire in the summer. Remember our joint practices with the Jets. So these teams know each other pretty well. And believe me, they took lots of notes and they're going back to those notes this week for all the the tricks and trends and uh, little details of their opponents. I want to see Vera Tucker kind of come up to play against the big boys, which we know those guards can only get help on one side. So whether uh, Connor McGovern's going to help on Cox, help on Hargrave, there's going to be some one-on-one. So Vera Tucker's had a really good year but I want to see him up against the best here against Cox and Hargrave. I will say the uh, the Eagles defensive line uh, decidedly won that matchup uh, in the summer against <laughs> the New York Jets offensive front. So uh, we'll see what rounds, I guess you'd say round three or round four <laughs> looks like here this <laughs> Sunday. That said, Ben, uh, you just alluded to Elijah Moore, the wide receiver, rookie second round pick coming out of Ole Miss. He's the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Ben, let's get into Elijah Moore and the scouting report, a guy that you and I were both really high on uh, this spring coming out of Ole Miss. Uh, interested to kind of reflect back on your notes from just a few months ago. Yeah, he was a really fun player at Ole Miss. You know, a short, small frame, kind of a thick core, though. Looked like a scat running back. Played in that slot for Ole Miss. Very sudden route runner. Sudden, sudden, sudden. And by all means, find his practice footage that got posted around draft time last year, just carving up. Ole Miss uh, teammates in one-on-one drills. He has head snaps. He has double moves, can really snap routes, uh, getting in and out of the breaks. He gets speed cut really well. His third down, he was the go-to guy in the offense. A lot of chain-moving abilities, really good against off or loose coverage. You give him any space to operate and work, he's going to carve you up. Now, the issue with that, I thought he struggled against press coverage. I thought he struggled with contact in a variety of ways, whether it's jams at the line of scrimmage, uh, contact in the route, contact at the catch point, breaking tackles with uh, uh, strength and contact. 
He was elusive. He needed space to work, though. But uh, the jet motions were really interesting and getting the ball in his hands from a backfield perspective. Uh, the double moves down the field could obviously move the chains on third down with his route running. And the one thing I love that Addison had noted, his hands were so natural for him. So and you see that all, yeah. all the time on the crossing routes, which he's catching them at full speed and almost accelerating through the catch point and then taking off the other side. A lot of great crossing routes on the other end of Matt Corral passes out there. Um, the only thing was, you know, some of the contact issues. He wanted to run out of bounds from time to time and kind of avoid uh, the contact. Also had that stupid dog peeing celebration early in his career. So there's some questionable maturity stuff. Uh, but I think the Jets are more than happy to have him in their locker room. Uh, they took him in the second round. Um, he's a really fun player. Yeah, no question. He was actually a player that first stood out to me when I was studying A.J. Brown uh, back in the, se- in the 2018 season, and he played alongside A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and did so much good work in that Ole Miss offense. He's undersized. You know, he was under 5'10", under 180 pounds uh, when he was coming out, when he got measured uh, last spring at his pro day. But I think when you look at Elijah Moore, you mentioned the one thing that really stood out best to me. It was that uh, his hands, his ball skills, were just so natural. And I kind of reflected on a quote um, that I heard. It was actually, I believe it was Charles Davis on a CBS broadcast last year um, where it was a Steelers game. And they asked him about, uh, you know, they asked Kevin Colbert about, Hey, you guys have had so much success drafting wide receivers. You know, what is, what's the secret sauce to that? And he's like, you know, one thing, and this was a Mike Tomlin thing, I think actually, uh, he said that, you know, we target receivers where it's not a chore to catch the football. I, I think when I kind of reflect on that, thinking about Elijah Moore, like this guy, Everything just looked easy for him catching the football. It's, kind of, it's the same thing with like Devontae, right? Devontae Smith, everything just looks easy for him at the catch point, whether it's over the shoulder, where he, whether he's face up, whether he's on the move, whether it's through contact, uh, all the above. I think that's when you look at Elijah Moore, he's got that ability. And then the other big thing too with him is that he's got that ability to be a three-level threat in the NFL. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, quick game, he can win. Screens and underneath throws where yards after catch, like, yeah, he could be that yards after catch threat. He tracks the deep ball very, very well. He can finish over the shoulder. So you've got the deep ball. You've got the short stuff. But he also has that ability to win in the intermediate area too. You know, whether it's uh, deep digs, comeback routes, whatever it is, this guy's got the ability to win at all three levels. And I think that's one of those things that kind of really unlocks uh, an offensive versatility moving into the NFL. Only I only had him down for two drops on 101 targets in 2020. So uh, definitely those uh, reliable hands are showing up in a variety of ways. Not shy about coming back downhill to the football, which is another uh, kind of an instance to look for on film for confident hands, the guys that aren't afraid to attack the football, pluck it away from their frame. You know, not every receiver is going to be great with a corner on their back. So people sometimes look to the contested catch situation to prove if they have good hands or not. I actually want the other way. I want when nobody's around you, how easily can you pluck that ball and put it away and how naturally can your hands look Mm. and the crossing routes, a lot of different ways to kind of evaluate hands, but Elijah Moore, great, great hands, good, reliable target. It's funny you said it's very similar to, uh, you know, I, I talked with Austin Gale over on the journey of the draft podcast and Austin does good work over at pro football focus. We talked about, uh, the traits that, uh, that carried over well from, college to the NFL from a metric standpoint. So I shouldn't even say the traits, the, the metrics that carried over well from college to the NFL, did they see some things that always kind of stuck? And he said, honestly, when you look at quarterback, the it was the clean pocket stuff. It was like the, the guys that have really good accuracy from a clean pocket, the, the guys that the average depth of target from a clean pocket, that stuff carried over. It wasn't the 
third down under pressure. It was, hey, first and second down, clean pocket. That was a measure of guys that had success at the NFL level. And I kind of when you when you say that about receivers, it's like, hey, it's not necessarily about the the contested stuff. It was it's more about uh, when you're wide open, do you fight the ball or is everything natural? And, and I think that's really kind of an interesting way to look at it. It's almost like, do you make the easy stuff look easy? You know, can right. you make the layups look like layups? And that's kind of how I feel like sometimes on the golf course, you know, 100 yards middle of the fairway, this needs to be a layup. Not the amazing shot I pull out of the rough around a tree from 100 yards, but the ones right where it's clean, the situation's perfect. These need to be high, high percentage situations. So if you can't do it when everything's clean, how are you going to do it when it's murky or you don't have the platform and you got to move off your spot or, you know, the, the throwing window is that much tighter. If you can't do it when everything is perfect in this scenario, typically you're lesser when this scenario isn't so great. I'll put your, I'm going to ask you to put your scouting hat on. Where am I on that realm uh, on the golf course? Grant, you got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we both know you are far ahead of me. Uh, from you make the respect. impossible look routine and the routine look impossible. That's so not good. You, yeah, make, you make shots out there, just, just not where we need them. The good thing is the way that I play is that I've gotten really good at rescue shots. Like I'm great out of the rough and, you know, I'm trying to hit around the tree, but you know, you get me on the well, fairway. You're getting enough, you're getting enough practice of that. Yeah, no, exactly <laughs> right. Uh, well, Ben, this is always good. Uh, we'll be back next week with you here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Make sure you check out our, our, all of our content over on the journey to the draft podcast as well. Ben, we will talk to you next week. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. And I really appreciate everybody that has done so in recent weeks. That said, let's wrap this show up with some faux focus Eric Allen from the New York Jets. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. All right, well, joining us here this week on Faux Focus is Eric Allen. You can go follow his work on Twitter at E. Allen Jets. He's the senior director with the New York Jets. Eric, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, Fran, thanks for having me. You do such a great job there with the Eagles for many years, so it's my pleasure. Uh, I appreciate it, man. And you guys always have done uh, outstanding work. A lot of uh, a lot of similar ties with the uh, the Jets media department and the Eagles uh, entertainment group uh, down here in Philly. Uh, so let me ask you the first question. First question I always lead this segment off with. Uh, I'm going to ask you to put on your offensive coordinator hat. You are Mike LaFleur in this game. What is the biggest strength for the New York Jets entering this matchup on the offensive side of the football? What gives you confidence as Mike LaFleur and your ability to win this game? Well, the arrow's pointing up right now with the Jets' run game because in their win against the Texans last week, they rushed for 157 yards on 34 carries. And anytime you have those kind of attempts, you're likely going to be a winner in the National Football League, and you guys know that better than anybody. Um, in the last two weeks, you're talking about a Jets' rush attack that has been a lot better. And, Fran, 
The offensive line, I think people were very concerned about what was going to happen after Mekhi Becton went down in week one. They performed pretty well in pass protection throughout the season, uh, but where you really encourage if, is they've made strides up front in terms of that run game the last couple games. And the Mike LaFleur offense was predicated on having a strong rush attack. Uh, the other thing that you can hang your hat on for the Jets right now is Elijah Moore, a rookie out of Mississippi, has been on quite a tear. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's got five touchdowns in 11 games, 37 catches in all, 461 yards. But when he gets the ball in his hands, the Jets just have a different gear. But the bottom line is, Fran, they're taking a step up in class this week against the Eagles defense. They know that. Um, but it just from a macro level, uh, for the Jets, Zach Wilson, a little bit rusty last week in his return, did some good things in the second half. He was better in the second half, but they know the Eagles are going to present a lot of challenges, especially up front. When you look at the that rushing attack, I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts. Obviously, you lose, you lose Michael Carter. He goes on injury reserve, the rookie running back from North Carolina. Is there a guy on the offensive line in particular that has been that tone setter for that group? Or has it been uh, the change in the guard at running back? Uh, what has been kind of the, the engine behind the new look run game? Elijah Vera Tucker, we were talking about Elijah Ford just a second ago. Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a fixture on that offensive line for years to come. He's been awesome at the left guard position, not only in the run game, but in pass protection, um, he has been the most consistent performer up front. And that's why Joe Douglas moved up in the draft nine spots to get him at the number uh, 14 spot. But the tackles have done well in pass protection. And when you're talking about George Fant and Morgan Moses, Morgan Moses, uh, he's more of a known for his blocking prowess in the run game. But both those guys have held up quite well where you've seen a difference so far in the lineup is Lor Laurent uh, Dumervé Tardif, uh, LDT, as he's called around here. He's replaced Greg Man uh, Roten in the lineup. But the run game, you mentioned Michael Carter. He's very, very impressive. But this is the way we kind of thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year, running back by committee, right? Tevin Coleman, uh, a season high in carries and yards last week. You had Ty Johnson producing six, seven yards of carry against the Texans. And Austin Walter was a practice squad call up and he comes in, he scores a touchdown against the Texans. So uh, a lot of guys were getting their hands on the football. But if you were going to ask me one guy up front who's really caught our eyes throughout the year, it's got to be the rookie from US, uh, USC and that's Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm going to be honest, Sunday night after the game, uh, when I just went through the box score, I saw A. Walter. And I, I look, I followed the draft year round. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea uh, who this could be. Um, so I was a little bit happy with myself. I saw, okay, it was a practice squad call up uh, late in the week last week. But yeah, that rushing attack, uh, certainly a new look part uh, of this offense. Let's go over to the other side of the football. And I'll ask you the same question. I'll ask you to put on your Jeff Ulbrich hat on. Uh, what is the biggest strength for this Jets defense going into this game? What gives you the most confidence in their ability to win on that side of the football? I think the defensive line really rebounded last week. Uh, it was a dominant performance, five sacks and all, and four of those came from the defensive line. What the Jets like is they have it going inside and outside. Quinn and Williams 
He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's got six sacks already this year. You might have two players up front along that defensive line who finished with double-digit sacks, but John Franklin Myers had a pair of sacks last week and an interception. Uh, Ronnie Blair got in the mix as well. Um, but when the Jets play well defensively, it starts up front for them on the defensive line. Where they get in trouble is when teams handle them up front uh, because that's a young back seven. The fixture on the defensive side of the ball, the mainstay, the heart of the defense is C.J. Mosley at the linebacker position. And a guy who they picked up on waivers, who Eagles fans I think are going to be quite familiar with by the end of this game, is Quinn Williams' brother, Quincy, because he has tremendous explosion and speed, and he's a violent hitter. So they like him at the linebacker position. Really young secondary Two guys who have flourished this season for the Jets. Second-year player, Bryce Hall on the outside. And Michael Carter II, a rookie out of Duke. He's really manned that nickel position. Everywhere else, you're kind of – you've had guys in and out of the lineup in the secondary. But Hall and Michael Carter II, they've played very well and consistent throughout the year. And then Elijah Riley, uh, who the, the Jets signed off the Eagles practice squad. I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts on uh, the role that he has played uh, and is going to play moving forward for this Jets team. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Elijah Riley. They're really high on him. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, the Jets thought it was going to be Marcus May and LaMarcus Joyner. LaMarcus Joyner went out week one, injured reserve, out for the year. Marcus May played a few games, and then he landed on injured reserve. So you've been juggling at the safety position. They put in Riley. He comes in and practices, and before you know it, he's in the starting lineup. He's a guy who packs a punch. They like his mentality. He's picked up the system uh, very well, and he's already starter on this team, and you know it's going to be extra special for him to play against an Eagles team that he's so familiar with and also gave him the opportunity. I'm very interested – to see what he has to say today when he speaks to the media about this game. Let's uh, now put your Robert Sala hat on and, you know, going into this matchup, what is the biggest concern for the entire team? You can go either side of the ball here going into this matchup with the Eagles. Line of scrimmage. Uh, you probably had the same answer every week uh, because the Eagles, while people can look at their record and say, okay, they're okay. They're going to be fighting tooth and nail for a playoff burst. Everybody in the NFL respects what the Eagles have done up front. And I think about Joe Douglas, who's the GM of this team. The one thing that he said that he emphasized that the Jets have to do is they have to build it up front. And I think they are getting there. With that being said, Robert Sala's got a tremendous amount of respect for what the Eagles are doing offensively. Number one ranked rushing team in the National Football League. Remember a couple weeks ago, the Jets have kind of settled uh, settled in the last couple weeks against the run, but that Thursday night game against the Colts, when you knew the Colts were going to rush the football, they put up 260 yards on 30 carries against the Jets. And what Philadelphia does that you know better than anybody, it becomes a numbers game. So how are the Jets going to counter what the Eagles do at the quarterback position, rushing the football? And they just get after you uh, up front. And for the Jets, when you talk about Jason Kelsey and Landon Dickerson and Jordan Milana, Jordan Milana, this is a huge challenge for the Jets 
defense as a whole, but the defensive line. So, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, Sala and that offensive staff are looking at inside out. I mean, the defensive line is great, but you got to start with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. I mean, two of the better defensive tackles in the National Football League, and you're pairing them up together. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think when you're looking at those two guys and the way that they've performed and teams have really had to kind of pick their poison with uh, who they're going to account for and slide protection one way or the other. Uh, And when one team, when a team slides one way, then the other guy has been able to make offensive lines pay more often than not. So uh, a huge decision there for uh, Mike LaFleur and for that offensive staff. Uh, What do you see, Eric, as the most pivotal matchup on Sunday in this game? Jets can't turn the ball over and they got to stay out at third yeah. and long. I mean, they got to make hay on first and second down against this team. Um, they will get themselves into trouble if they turn the ball over. I, t- I talked about Zach Wilson before and he kind of, he, he got steady in that second half and his return to the lineup. That was his first game in more than a month. I think a lot of people had unrealistic expectations that Wilson's going to come back and he's going to pass for 350 and have four touchdowns. That's not the way it works in the NFL. This guy was a rookie making a seventh start. Um, and early on in that first half, he scrambled and was running his back. Ty Johnson thought, oh, it's my turn to block. And at the same time, Wilson's delivering a shovel pass to him, hits him in the back, and there's a turnover. Houston has the ball in plus territory. Before you know it, they're in the end zone. You have a deficit. For the Jets, in order to have success against the Eagles, they can't go down double digits. They went down double digits against the Texans, and they answered with 18 points and closed the game out. But against Philadelphia – you're going to be in big time trouble. You fall behind double digits. So they have to protect the football and they got to stay out of third and long. I know the Eagles like to rotate their defensive linemen, um, but for them to have any kind of success, it's going to start up front on both sides of the uh, sides of the football. Defensively, you can't let the Eagles run wild and you got to watch out for the play action game. So it's like a double edged sword. The linebackers are going to come up. They're playing to run. Here comes Mosley. Here comes Quincy Williams. And then that's when Philadelphia is going to go up top and they've had success. Make them beat you with their drop back passing game. And then on the other side of the ball, you can't turn it over. You got to have balance where the jets get in trouble is when you see those passing numbers go up in the thirties and the rush totals are under 20 and then that's not a recipe for success games have gotten away from them this year when those turnover differentials have gotten out of hand well eric it'll certainly be a fun matchup two teams that are familiar with each other in in a lot of ways certainly they uh, faced off for a few days up in florham park uh, earlier this summer uh, for training camp joint practices so uh, some familiarity there on both sides of the football eric allen thanks again for joining us here on the eagle eye in the sky podcast and we will uh, talk to you again soon thanks friend So great stuff there from Eric Allen, some great analysis on his side. And for some additional analysis, as always, I'm going to close the show out uh, with some clips from the cutting room floor from this week's episode of Eagles Game Plan. Some John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, of course, some Greg Cosell that due to time constraints, I couldn't quite squeeze it all in to the 30-minute show of Eagles Game Plan. So a few minutes that I cut out, I kept it for you right here in this podcast. Let's go to that clip right now. 
About the back end, we have seen tighter coverage lately, and Darius Slay is one of the highest-rated corners in the NFL this year. How have they improved the coverage in the back end in recent weeks? I just think they're covering better. When they're playing a lot of man coverage, these are guys who want to play man coverage. They want that challenge. Darius Slay, he wants to get up on people. He wants to take the best wide receiver and challenge him. It really fits their skill sets. And against the run, what have you seen from the Eagles lately against the run? Well, you're looking at a front seven that's playing in unison. You got a line of scrimmage that's winning with your defensive line, right? So they're defeating the offensive linemen. And then more importantly, your linebackers are playing decisive. Yep. They're playing downhill. They're playing with aggression. T.J. Edwards, Alex Singleton, even before Davion Taylor was injured. This is the way the linebackers have been playing for about the last four or five weeks. And it's showing up on tape and it's showing up in the numbers as the Eagles are becoming one of the better run-stopping teams. We're seeing this defense really evolve. The yeah. coach is understanding who their players are, what they do well, and we're seeing the evolution of this defense. Now, don't fall asleep on this Jets defense. It has some good players throughout, including a big corner named Bryce Hall, who normally plays on the left side. So while this defense has not done really well in terms of execution, they still have some players and they have some really good schemes due to Robert Sala. Well, what he has to realize is this is a defense that's very aggressive. They're going to show you a lot of different things, but they want to take away the early passes, the quick passing game, but they're also going to play tight man-to-man coverage. So he's going to throw the ball into some areas where you're not going to have much space to fit the ball in. And he has to be comfortable with that. He has to understand, and his receivers have to understand, that they're going to have to fight for the football. Many of these balls are going to be contested throws that they're going to have to win at the catch point. That's the type of game I think that they're going to face with the New York Jets. And Nick Sirianni, obviously, when he looks back and he sees that Dallas Goddard didn't have any yards in the passing game, Devontae Smith only had 22, only seven targets for his top two options. How do you get them more involved and make sure they're more involved? Well, I mean, here's the thing. When a defense knows that those are your two best players in the passing game and your go-to guys, they're going to come up with defenses to try to take those guys away. And the important thing is is that you don't force the ball there, right? You want to be smart with the football, but there's obviously different play designs and play calls throughout the week that they can put into the game plan that can get easy catches for Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard. But to piggyback off what Mike said about Jalen, the important thing for Jalen is to play with confidence, but don't force it. Don't force the plays. Let them come to you. You can lose a game early. You can't win a game early. Give yourself a chance to win this game late, and that comes with making good decisions with the football. It's a Robert solid defense. He's not the play caller, but he's a guy that orchestrated this defense, that put it all together. And what do you know about him? He went to San Francisco, turned that defense around. He grew up on the Pete Carroll in Seattle, and that's the type of defense you have to expect. An aggressive defense, a defense that's going to show you different things pre-snap, but you better know where they're going after the ball is snapped. And again, be sure to check out Eagles game plan that goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, it'll air on NBC 10 at 10 a.m. So great stuff this week uh, from Ben Fennell, from Eric Allen. Thanks to both of them. And thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself. 
Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.